Co-Selling Hero, hosted by real estate veteran Tom Didion. Each week, we break down today's ultra-hot home seller's market and give you the tips, tricks, and guidance to navigate the selling process and get the most out of selling your home. Proudly presented by the Tom Didion team. Let's jump in. All right, greetings and moyen, everybody. Thanks for coming back to the Home Selling Hero podcast. I am your host, Tom Didier, as always. And today I've got my friend and colleague, Mark Dahl, as our guest. Um, he is an HVAC specialist. He is the owner of a company here in Port Washington called Professional Services. Pretty much does everything HVAC and now electrical, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but Mark, take a couple minutes just to kind of introduce yourself to my audience on who you are and uh, what you do. I'm honored to be on your podcast. As Tom said, I am Mark Dahl. I am a owner of Professional Services. I've been in the heating and cooling business since I was, pretty much since I was 15. So that's dating myself by saying that I've been doing this for 40, 38 years. Safe to say your entire professional adult life you've been in. Correct, HVAC. correct, absolutely. Have you had Have you had any other job prior to that that was not related to? Well, if you count working on farms, uh, I worked on several farms. Yeah, um, and I and I did right. work up at a local mechanic shop uh, while I was going to high school. But I also had my job at the HVAC company I worked with at the time. Yeah. Pretty much uh, most of my uh, adult life has been working in HVAC, some form or another. I would classify you as a mechanical engineering type person. Would you agree? That's kind of your gig is like understanding mechanics. In fact, I actually went to MSOE for mechanical engineering. Only made it a semester because it was just a lot of hard work and I was making good money where I was at yeah. and I enjoyed what I did out in the field. So um, I was just wanted to get more into engineering. So I, I have done some engineering in the past. So Yeah. Well, and you're probably doing more engineering as the owner of your business than you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, if there's jobs that come along that do need those engineering services, uh, we, we pretty much engineer at some capacity every system we put in because there's there's uh, things that need to be known about heat load calculations and stuff like that. So we're making sure we're we're putting the right size equipment in in the customers' right. homes. Um, but we we have some bigger jobs that we have. Uh, once in a while we do a lot of geothermal heating and cooling so there's a lot of engineering there so i get to play around with that stuff as well yeah and there's so many different types of heating we talked about that briefly before the podcast i think for purposes of this podcast we'll kind of concentrate on um, what i guess you'd call gas forced air furnaces in my opinion in in my real estate market if i had to guess the average um you know home in our market i would say 80 percent of the homes in this market are gas forced air type furnaces um, and I would say 15% are boilers and then I would say the other 5% are a mix of electric or geothermal or heated with you know wood or if there's a bunch of different things what am I that's the right spot on there on the Tom. Right track? um yeah okay uh, you know most of the stuff we do are, are traditional forest air we do do quite a bit of boilers and yeah. and boilers are nice heat uh, is a nice source of heat but you know you can't um there's limitations you can't clean your air you can't uh air condition with a boiler you have to have a separate system for that uh but it's a nice warm heat yeah. you'll typically find that in that, that older home um like from from i want to say the 1900s uh all the way up through maybe the 30s or maybe even 40s you'll find a boiler in a home um and it's it, it's yeah. nice warm heat but but uh, there's limitations yeah. for sure you know it seems that furnaces have a lot more wires than they 
yeah, used to. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, even when I started 27 years ago, I could identify the normal parts of a furnace, which were like the igniter, the blower fan, and the heat exchanger. And that was about it. Now they're sealed up. You can't see anything. Like it's wires everywhere. So when you do a tune-up on a modern-day furnace, what are you doing? Because it seems to me that it's all electrical engineering. Is the tune-up on a furnace this year in 2023 totally different than it was 20 years ago? Um, there are things 20 years ago that you had on furnaces, like um, especially on those 80% type furnaces that are, are lower efficiency. You had thermocouples. You had uh, a little bit more solid-state controls that you'd go through. But a lot of the stuff is built in, in in timers and time delays and stuff in the boards. Um, so, yeah, there's a little, a little more complicated. But there's still the basic components, like you, you still have an igniter. You're never going to get away from an ignition source. You're never going to get away from a gas valve. You're never going to get away from a combustion chamber that um, burns fuel, which is actually a rapid oxidation. You're changing uh, state of something. And that's, that's why with that rapid oxidation, you get a lot of... Uh, uh, corrosion, um, a product, a product is corrosion and uh, water and, and uh, going out the exhaust gas. So with that being said, those are the things that really take a toll on a furnace. Um, then you still have a blower motor. Uh, you'll have other electronics mm-hmm. in a blower, not motor. It's, it's pretty, um, pretty common to find ECM blower motors, which are electronically communicated motors rather than your PSC, which is a split capacitor. Uh, motor. I know in Europe, even circulating pumps and everything are all 100% ECM. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going to be going to that in the future here. Um, they're just a smarter motor. It, it allows for a little bit more variable speed and that sort of thing. So it's not just a, a quick on and off, but there's a huge energy savings there as well. So you you have that. Um, can, can they be checked? Um, yeah, there's an ECM motor tool that we have to check those. So those things do get checked, but your basic insides guts of a furnace are the same um and then controls you know just like just like cars and everything else um i used to be able to look underneath the hood of a car and fix anything adjust the carburetor and out with fuel injection and all the computers it's you don't you don't want to touch it but um um there there definitely is a lot of that a lot more of that so does it make sense for the typical homeowner of a forest air furnace to get annual tune-ups from their furnace person when we look at equipment um we have a program that, that people sign up for that we come twice a year, um, once in the heating season, once in the cooling season, uh, for various reasons, because we really can't, if we're, we can't really tune up an air conditioner right now. If people are telling you they're tuning up an air conditioner, they're wrong. You can look at it, but you can't run a compressor when it gets below 60 degrees. Um, it's bad for the compressor. You can't really um, check your refrigeration temperatures and stuff like that. So. So twice a year tune-ups are good, which it get your whole systems okay. looked at in, in for one year. But it, it saves money by increasing overall efficiency and costly breakdowns. It also inc- increases the life expectancy of the HVAC equipment. I think there's a Texas A&M study that said that if by doing regular sch- scheduled maintenance, you can save up to up to 30% operating that equipment per year. Like for air conditioning, it's keeping the coils clean, and we have special solution you put on the coils to clean the coils the indoor coil and the outdoor coil all or at least to the best of my knowledge all forced air furnaces have filters Correct. all different sizes different sizes different kinds how often should homeowners be mm-hmm. changing their furnace filters yeah good question um it depending on um pretty much the habits of the home and the type of filter you have if you have one of those big wide thick filters 
um, they're designed, uh, the reason why they're wide is because the pleats go in them back and forth. And if you, you take that filter and stretch that material out, you have a lot of material. So you have a lot of surface area. Therefore, you can collect a lot more dirt on it. Um, filters actually get a little more efficient when they get dirty. Before they get too dirty, they can't pull the air through because when all of the little dust particles on them, it forms more of a filter to, to, to capture smaller dust particles. So their efficiency goes up before they, before they eventually hmm. clog up. A thinner filter, you'll have, to, you'll have to change more because there's less surface area. So that is a basic yeah. rule. Um, and then another thing, um, how well a home is cleaned. Um, pets are huge in a home. If you have a, a pet sure. that sheds, you're going to have to change your filter quite often. You talked about the, the cleanliness of the home, which is a great segue to all the commercials we see on TV for duct cleaning. It seems to be, I see more and more commercials. How important is it to have your ducts cleaned? Although you just said it probably depends, right, on the cleanliness right. of the home and what's all going on, number of pets and what you're doing in there. But is that something you guys offer? Is that something you recommend that everybody gets their ducts cleaned? Yeah, the average life we see uh, is cleaning, cleaning ducts is about um, every seven years. Um, if you think okay. about it, <clears throat> So what is, what is dust in a home? So dust is made up of pet dander, pet hair. A lot of the rest of the dust in the home is, is made up of uh, when you shed, a human sheds their skin. So it's kind of gross when you think about it that the air you breathe, um, you've got other people's skin in it potentially, especially if you're buying a home and you had a, a past homeowner, you're breathing all that stuff. Um, I guess if it was me buying a new home, I'd always want to want the ducts clean just because when you think about it that way, it, it kind of grosses you out, but um, it's not just for breathing and health, uh, which is a it's, a, it's a huge thing, but it's for efficiency. Like even when you get an eighth inch of, uh, of dirt and dust buildup on the blower wheel can reduce airflow by up to 30% because your blower wheel is not grabbing the air efficiently. Uh, and that's a Texas A&M study. So when we do a lot of companies out there, you got to be very careful for the Facebook guys. We call them uh, the blow and go guys. Um, they'll come and clean out your ductwork and they'll advertise a low rate, um, depending on how bad they are. But there's been a lot of ductwork scam, a lot of duct cleaning scams out there. Uh, we don't really call ours duct cleaning, to be honest with you. We call our, ours a, a total system rejuvenation. Um, the reason why is those, those people that do duct, uh, duct cleaning are really, they're not HVAC technicians. So they're not certified to pull the blower apart, pull the blower wheel. When we do a duct cleaning, we, um, pull that blower wheel and we remove it, we clean it up, we put that back in, we clean out the whole inside of the furnace. We go into, there's a thing called a secondary heat exchanger that can uh, gain dust and we actually crawl inside the furnace and clean that out too because that's above the blower when you remove that component. And then up in the um, up in the A-coil for the air conditioner, uh, it's super important to get that uh, cleaned out as well because uh, again, another study from the EPA um, talks about a buildup of one twentieth of an inch of dirt on the heating or cooling coil can result in a decrease in efficiency of up to twenty one percent. So there's there's definitely benefits as far as efficiency, and then uh, of course there's a health element too, and just keep okay. keeping uh, keeping clean. Have a house to sell, but not sure who to trust when it comes to getting the best deal and leveraging the current market. Trust the experts at the Tom Didier team. With over a quarter century of selling Milwaukee, Tom and his team of real estate experts are here to ensure that you get every penny you deserve out of selling your home. No matter where you live in the dairy state, 
Put one of Wisconsin's top real estate teams to work for you in selling your home and making the most of your real estate investment. Looking to buy a house instead? Tom and his team have you covered here as well, helping you craft and perfect the offer on your dream home. Visit SellingMilwaukee.com to find out how much your home could be worth and connect with the team to make your next real estate transaction a dream. Now, back to the show. I think I would have to predict that a lot of my listeners are going to choose to not believe you when you say that humans shed and that and that there are that the inside of their ducts contain the human shedding of other people. But that's uh, that's that's your science that you guys follow. I'm guessing. Correct? Yeah, Google how much yeah. skin a human sheds in the matter of a year. I forgot the real number on that, but it was it was quite impressive. Like how many pounds of skin that gets shed, <laughs> and it turns into turns into dust. You're scratching, yeah. you know, it comes off very small, sure. microscopically, and turns into dust. So well, I'm not going to take you up on your off. I'm yeah. not going to take you up on that offer to Google how much um, skin I'm shedding. So right. I'll just keep keep we'll keep that between us. So let's talk about the current real estate market, which is crazy. And my question for you is what can we as real estate brokers and prospective buyers that are looking at homes that they desperately want to buy, but they know they can't do a home inspection um, in certain situations because there's so much competition, they, they don't get an opportunity to bring in a home inspector to check it. What can we and they be looking for? Um, if it's a three-bedroom ranch with a forced air furnace, what, uh, what kind of things should we be looking for? First and foremost, I guess the age of the equipment. Uh, a typical furnace will last up to anywhere from like 12 to 20 years, depending on how well it was maintained or how lucky you are. Um, yeah. And I also, also look then for a maintenance log uh, on the outside of the furnace. If the furnace has been maintained, at some point they will have a sticker or right. some of the old... Uh, Old school guys would write it on a marker on the inside. Um, right. You also want to look for leaks and rust spots. If you take the furnace doors off, look and see if there's any uh, any rust spots. You could have a bad collector box uh, making uh, rust inside the furnace. Um, you want to look for, um, is the equipment on its own electrical circuit? And a lot of times you can just quick pop open the breaker panel and just look if it says furnace. Or you have, if you really want to get crafty, you could turn the furnace on and you just trip the breakers until the furnace goes off. If the furnace isn't on its own circuit, it's not the end of the world. It's just that at some point, if you do any upgrades to your house, you have to have that switched. Um, and then you also, if you get an idea of efficiency, um, look and see if you have metal or plastic venting. If it's a lower efficient system, it's typically older and, and, and lower, and you're really going to gain a lot by putting a, a newer system in. And, and you can tell that by if it's metal or plastic venting. Uh, it's a pretty easy one. And the other thing, if you really if you really feel up to it, to take a quick peek at the air conditioner and look on the tag. Each air conditioner has a tag. And on the outside, it'll tell you what kind of refrigerant it has. Um, the R22 refrigerant is banned pretty much by the EPA. doesn't mean you can't use it. It just means that if it ever forms a leak and, and, and needs a repair, um, then at that point, you will um, you need to replace it because we can't. We, we get there's a huge fine um, if we get caught um, the technicians fines like ten thousand dollars and I think the company could find uh, sixty thousand dollars if they they're caught putting re refrigerant into a system that you know has a leak so a lot of people say I'll oh, just charge it up but it's, it's really not that simple so my notes I wrote four tips you just said one is the age I was surprised to hear you say that that the life expectancy can be between 12 and 20 
I would think, I mean, so in your opinion, there are furnaces out there that are designed to only last 12 years? Pretty much, yeah. Or are they just... Yeah. Really? Well... They're actually designed or they're just failing before they're supposed to I don't fail? know if that's actually a design cycle, um, but I would say so. They're not... Um, you got to think about it. A furnace runs... Um, I've got some data here. So your heating and cooling system moves 1.4 million cubic feet of air per day, and um, hmm. it's always running, right? Um, we like to think that the furnace would last forever, but it just doesn't. Um, the, the, if you equate that to miles, it's way more than you put on your car. And, and people, you know, once people have cars 12 years, they typically don't keep vehicles that long. But um, yeah. it all depends on what you have to stick in. If the decision comes into whether to replace or repair, I would never stick over. We have kind of a rule. If, it's a, if you're sticking $1,000 in a 10-year-old furnace, it's probably about the balance point. It's a good tip. So, thousand bucks into a ten-year-old unit might want to start thinking about how many more times you're going to dump a thousand-dollar bill into this. A contractor can make more money if they just keep coming back and putting parts in it, and then five years down the road, yeah. you know, sure. uh, replace it. But um, it's just uh, important to let the homeowner know that that they have a choice, and it's like a car. You don't want to continue sure. to stick money into it, and it nickels and dimes you, because the more money stick you, it's not, you, you throw parts in, it's not going to change the efficiency of the furnace. Um, yeah. It's not going to change the comfort of the furnace or some of the techn technological yeah. advancements. So there are advantages yeah. to replacing it prior. So that does make sense. Now that we talk that out, I guess the, the age of the furnace is going to depend on how often it's being used and how hard it's being run. Right. So Maybe that 12-year-old furnace has been running nonstop for, you know, around. Yeah. Whereas yep. a 20-year-old furnace hasn't had, has, has, had to have, has not had to work as hard. So that makes some sense. All right. So age of the furnace, check for rust. Rust is generally bad. There shouldn't be rust on a furnace anywhere on the inside or outside, correct? Check for its own circuit. And then, of course, the efficiency. Are, there, are they still making furnaces that don't? Because I was always taught that a furnace that has, you know, PVC pipes for intake and outtake are high yes. efficient. And that the ones with, uh, is that still the, Correct. Still the same? Yeah, that's, that's why I, okay. I mentioned that if it's the ventings in plastic, it's usually a higher efficiency. Um, and it right. has to be okay. about 90% or above. And if it's metal, it's right. a low efficiency. We call them an 80% efficient furnace. But typically as furnaces so they are gets still, older, they drop in, in efficiency. Yeah. So they are still making basically inefficient furnaces. You can still buy an inefficient they furnace. They are. And I'm guessing they're cheaper. Um, Yep, they, they are, and the reason why they're uh, continuing to make them, there was a federal law from the Department of Energy, and anything basically north of the Mason-Dixon line, you, you couldn't sell 80% furnace anymore. Well, the problem is a lot of houses, and you can probably see this, have a furnace up in an attic for a second floor or right. for if it was a duplex at one time, and a 90% furnace can't run in an uninsulated space because the condensation will freeze because a, a 90% a high-efficient furnace condensates. Um, so they fought that, and now you still can buy a 90% a efficient furnace, or an 80% efficient furnace, excuse hmm. me. And so um, you can still get them. Uh, oftentimes, people um, opt to go to the 90% furnace because the equipment price isn't, they're pretty close. They're not, they're not as uh, different as they used to be. But um, there's a little more labor because you have to you have to run PVC pipes. They're not already roughed in for you. All right. So you you said something there that made me think, and I think I heard you say that a horizontal furnace in an attic is going to run more efficient if that attic is insulated. 
the reason I'm asking is I own a property with a horizontal furnace up in the attic. It's not well insulated at all. And I do recall having to replace that furnace more than once. Is that furnace going to be replaced more often because there's not insulation up there? Yeah, that can be because anytime you have something in a different environment than the air that you're serving, um, kind of same with commercial rooftop units, they sit outside and they're bringing warm air outside, they're heating it and putting it back in. Of course, you can insulate the ductwork and stuff to try to uh, mitigate that. But at the end of the day, you've got a unit that's running in a in an unconditioned environment. So that's probably a good reason when it starts up and it's running, you have a lot of condensation internally going on that probably creates rust in the heat exchanger, that sort of thing. In the forced air furnace world, are there tax incentives or rebates available? Um, everybody likes free money. I know that in your geothermal line of work, there are definitely tax incentives. Is there, is there anything for the conventional homeowner that's got a forced air furnace? The Inflation Reduction Act um, now, if you go to high... Uh, um, it's, it's actually more towards heat pumps, which is a furnace. It, it's an air conditioner, but it actually runs in reverse and it actually heats the home in the wintertime. And, um, okay. they've come huge, they've made huge, um, advances in the heat pump technology. So they'll run at a colder temperature and run more efficient. And so for heat pumps, um, to move, instead of having an air conditioner, you can go from a heat pump to an air conditioner for bulk the same cost as what the Inflation Reduction Act is, is giving you back. And then there's huge um, state incentives like Focus on Energy to do that. Um, so on furnaces, there's really not, there's really not a huge tax credit. Um, they, they, have, they do have uh, what's called 25Z. It's qualified energy property. On a furnace, you can get up to $150. But the heat pump, you can get a lot more. You can get up to $2,000 on a heat pump. And then... Um, okay. There's also some other uh, things that the, the government is having um, that, that you can get up to $14,000 and combine for high-efficiency electric homes, but that's in upgrading to a heat pump. You can get up to $8,000 um, electrical service upgrade, $4,000 electric wiring upgrade, $2,500. Um, the problem is it's really unclear <laughs> what they're asking for as far as what the what the qualifications are for it. So it's a little bit gray right now. So we don't really, I guess, advertise and use that because we, we don't know 100% how the government's going to um, deal with that. All right. So I'm going to ask you about a new type of system that I'm seeing a lot, and I don't even know what the terminology is. I believe it's called a split system. I could be using the wrong thing. But what we're seeing more and more is these, usually they're Mitsubishi brand um, type of heating units. They tend to be like horizontal mounted at the top of a new addition. Yep. Uh, what am I talking about? Is that the right term? What's, what are those called? Yeah. Um, a more, a, a better term would be a ductless mini split unit. Dun ductless, ductless mini split. Because there's okay. no duct work right. on it. So it's basically a heat pump like we're talking about. They make them in, in cooling only or they'll make them in a heat pump. And a lot of people are using them for garages now or, or these little man caves. Well, that's where I'm seeing them. I'm seeing them on, I'm seeing them on garages um, and new additions to houses. But that, I guess that makes sense. You don't, have to, you don't need any duct work at all. You just install these units. And, and do you do these? Do you do those types of units? And what are the brands that you're selling? Well, we sell uh, multiple brands. Yeah, we sell Daikin brand. Mitsubishi is a good brand okay. as well. Um, but we're a, we're a Daikin dealer. And Daikin's one of the largest uh, manufacturers or is the largest manufacturer in the world of HVAC equipment. I think Daikin inv actually invented that unit in Europe. 
there are places in Europe that just simply buy those for the whole home to put several of those in. Um, a lot of people don't like them here because they are they might not like the look of them. Uh, they work if you have one room. If you have multiple rooms, they don't work so well because you can't get the air flow into those rooms. But we do have um, multi-zone units like that that work really well. There was a boiler um, that we replaced for in someone's home and they wanted air conditioning as well. I, if you're building a new house, I, I just, you know, now we have basements around here and stuff. I, I don't think that's the best way to, to heat and cool your house. But definitely that that bonus room, that small addition, one room, or if you're okay with it, one room, maybe a small room, and it just, you open the door and it kind of flows into there, but you just don't, you don't have direct cooling into a, a, another room then with those. All right, let's switch gears to thermostats because it seems mm -hmm. like the technology for those have really evolved. I mean, in the old days, and I still see a ton of houses with the old, what do we call the circle dial thermostats? What's the proper terminology for that? We call them the Honeywell T87s. Yep. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't. Do you guys really refer to it as the Honeywell T87? Yes. Or do you just say old thermostat? No, Honeywell. Yeah, Merc you might be referring to mercury thermostats. They have mercury in them, but there's a lot of variations of mercury thermostats. They have square ones, round ones, but the most popular one is the Honeywell T87. And now, you know, everyone has Wi-Fi and there's thermostats that are wireless. I mean, is there any downside or should everybody be going? It seems like there's no downside, right? If your furnace is um, a Wi-Fi thermostat and you can monitor that and turn it on and turn it off, and is there any downside? Is there anything people should know about with uh, Wi-Fi thermostats? you got to be a little bit careful because since they came out with the 5G, some of the older thermostats were not set up older Wi-Fi thermostats were not set up for 5G. So you got to be careful on what internet bandwidth you have because all of a sudden all these people that had, that would only go up to 4G, 2 or 4G it would use, would um, also the thermostats didn't work on Wi-Fi anymore. So when, when their internet, or yeah, when their internet was upgraded. So most thermostats, whether they're the old circular ones or the modern Wi-Fi ones, they have two settings. One is either automatic or one is on for the fan. Should everybody be just using the auto um, function or is it ever a good idea for homeowners simply to put their fan on and have that fan running all the time? Um, I get asked this question a lot and it's a very good question. Uh, I would suggest anybody that has a two-story home that wants even heating and cooling have the fan on. I keep my fan running in my home 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I have ECM blowers in my, my units. Um, they cost very little to run. And especially when you're running them on low because their ECM blowers have, let's just call it different speeds. When you're running on a low speed, they cost very little to run. You actually make up, um, make up the money for it because you're circulating air now and remixing it and bringing it back into the return and redistributing it. And um, it's it's comfortable throughout the home, so you don't have you're not uh, it's a little cold in here, and you turn up your thermostat. Um, that's also really good for um, two story homes. is great because your hot air tends to rise, and so it's always a little bit hotter upstairs in summer or, or winter. Um, or if you have that long home where you have that bedroom, it just isn't getting um, getting warm or cold. And we've told people to do that, and they'll call me back like a oh my god that just it solved my problem because it mixes there. And also, if you have any indoor quality products like electronic air filters, UV lights, or anything like that, you're going to run or run that run that continuously because running the fan continuously continues to 
um, scrub that air. All right. So here's a question that happens a lot, real life scenario when we're showing homes. Uh, we find a lot of condensation in the windows. Um, sometimes it's just in the form of water droplets. Sometimes it's frozen actual ice. Tell the listeners in terms that they understand, not engineering mark terms, uh, what is that and what's the problem and how do you fix it? Um, a lot of people blame the windows. Um, that may or may not be true, depending on the window quality. Where you really have to start is have a, and you can find them anywhere now, um, Walmart or whatever or online, find, get a digital humidistat and find out the humidity. Um, but humidity is a moving target. So it all depends on how cold or hot it is outside. Uh, if it's colder out, if it's hot outside, you want to pull your humidity down. The absence of humidity makes it feel really good. But we were talking about in the winter, the colder it gets, um, the less humidity you'll be able to put into your house because that temperature differential is what's causing that condensation on the window. Um, if you have too much humidity, you're gonna your water's gonna start to run down down the down the window. Not enough humidity, um, it's going to be really dry and you're going to get shocks and, and um, that's not good for your skin because your skin opens up. So if it's a newer house, a lot of times you'll have um, off-gassing and, and all these materials drying out in your house that will add humidity to your house or you don't have proper exhaust fans, you're not moving enough air and exhausting the air. Uh, the way to combat that is either with an air-to-air exchanger or bringing fresh mm -hmm. air in, usually you have to use an air-to-air exchanger to move air, and then you have to control that humidity. So you'd either need a humidifier or a dehumidifier to do that as well. We really have to take an assessment, but it doesn't mean necessarily your windows are junk. So all of my listeners are going to go out now and buy a digital humidistat, so we have to follow up, and what should that number be? They're all going to check mm -hmm. the humidity in their home. What, what's their target range? So I would say you're, you're, it all depends on the windows in the house again. If you've got a, a higher quality window, you can hold more humidity. But typically you'll see any of the double pane windows, you should be able to run 45% humidity if it's above freezing. Uh, when you start dropping below freezing, your humidity level needs to go down or you're going to have problems. When it got down to like negative 10 out, you probably can't put more, much more than 30% humidity in a home, which is really dry. A comfort range for humidity is anywhere between 40 and 50%. Once you start, get, start getting to 55%, um, it's getting too humid in the house. Even for, for summer, you're going to want to start air conditioning to pull that humidity out. So okay. I, I would say above freezing, again, that um, you can achieve that 45%. Below freezing... It's kind of a sliding scale, but if you have a humidifier installed in your house, all of the new humidifiers have smart technology that monitors your outside air temperature and adjusts that automatically so you don't put too, too much humidity in your home. 40 to 50% in normal temperatures. In cold temperatures, it's definitely going to be less, but you should be okay with 30% humidity if it's freezing outside. Fair to say that technology in your industry is constantly evolving? Yes, for sure. And is that, that good for you guys, good for the consumer? Is it hard to keep up with? Or anything, are, the, are the furnaces becoming outdated themselves really quickly? There's good and bad to everything, and, and this, is, this is also the case here. I want to say some of your, some of your lower end and, and uh, middle, middle of the road furnaces, they're not changing as much. The higher end furnaces are, are really changing, like your modulating furnaces where you have 
basically variable output in airflow and BTUs. There's going to be a lot more to that there because those systems have to communicate with the air conditioner and it, they're really they're really commuting to drive those com- communicating to drive those floor speeds and um, speeds of output of BTU based upon outdoor air temperature and comfort in the home and it builds an algorithm in the system. So to get that kind of technology. Um, that is changing on that end. But another thing that's changing is consumers are wanting more connectivity. Um, we have a system that we can, that we have for um, our communicating systems. Our thermostats are connecting to what's called cloud services. So on that cloud service, we can log in and look at how your system's performing. Um, we can basically diagnose a problem before it happens. Uh, we can also... Uh, We'll know that if that furnace throws an alert before the customer even gets cold in their home. Yeah. So with that technology that that people are asking for, um, it's kind of like anything else, like the like the Google Home services. You know, people want to be connected to their to their refrigerator and dishwasher, and uh, and so the equipment is evolving with that. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. All right, let's switch gears now. We've been talking about actual furnaces for a while. Let's go back and talk about Mark Dahl and the, and the businessman. Um, okay. So you've been in the business your whole life. You've been running your own business for about 13 years now, I believe. Yep. Um, if you can go back in time now, and Mark Dahl of today has five minutes to talk to Mark Dahl 13 years ago and say, hey, dude, you're about to run your own company. What are you going to tell yourself from 13 years ago that you know now that you didn't know then? Wow. I, I might have scared myself off and, and said, just keep doing what you're doing. There's definitely challenges because you, you um, there's, you know, like anything worth doing, there's always going to be a challenge to it. So, and I, I, I've learned to embrace the challenge, but you think that you can just jump in and, and do these types of things. And um, I'm talking about in business and, and there's, there's things that just blindside you, you don't even know are, are a thing, right? So... It's it's definitely challenging, but your passion has to really outweigh those challenges, and and for me that's what it was. Um, just the passion to be able to design different systems and help people out through things, and the feeling you get when you when you help somebody out on a. Uh, I went out the night before. It was Christmas Eve. Um, I was out Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve night night the night before Christmas Eve, and it was uh, the the homeowners. We were called that day, and the homeowners had a bad furnace. They put a new furnace in, and by the time I got there, it was 40 degrees. Um, and to get heat back on for them was essential because they were really close to having their pipes freeze. And um, just to see the look on people's face when you're helping them is is pretty incredible. Um, so what I, I would I would say um, my main thing I would say get help and seek help business help because I knew nothing about running a business. I thought I did. I thought yeah, well we. Mm. Whatever you, you you go and you diagnose a furnace and you you fix the furnace and you give them a bill, that's it you know. But there's way a lot more to it than that. So I would definitely uh, tell myself be prepared to invest some money into yourself and uh, be prepared to keep investing in yourself because that's really what it takes. The uh, listeners have been listening the whole time, but I'm going to summarize all of your important information in 60 seconds. What I got out of today was if you're putting a thousand dollars or more into a furnace that's 10 years old or more, you might want to look really carefully at maybe getting a new one. And what you were saying is that that technician or that contractor is probably going to make more money off you if they keep coming back and putting a thousand dollars in each time. So it's not when the contractor tells you it's time for a new furnace, 
might actually be a time for a new furnace. I mean, I get that uh, a new furnace is going to cost a lot more than a thousand. Uh, number two, the proper terminology for those new things we're seeing all over the place in garages and in additions is called a ductless mini split system, and those are popular, and you can install those. Correct. Uh, Mark's tip and tricks for the buyers walking through a house. You know what to look for. Uh, make sure there's no rust on the inside or the outside. Uh, check for its efficiency. If it's got PVC pipes, that means it's efficient. Uh, if not, means it's not a very efficient furnace. Um, prefer to have that on its own circuit, and of course the age. And it was interesting for me to hear you say that furnaces can be between 12 and 20 years before they're done. The little note I wrote to myself was that Mark Dahl, owner of a heating company, runs his fan 24-7. So I'm guessing that's probably a good idea. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with running your fan 24-7 in your house. Uh, a digital humostat would be a good idea if you want to know the humidity in your house. I'm assuming they're pretty cheap. What, is a, what does a humidistat cost? Um, well, a, a digital, um, a humidistat, I guess it would be a, a, a digital... Um yeah, I guess it, I guess it could be a humidistat um, because a, a humidistat would actually control it. Would you um, you well, want you want to get a digital humidity buying... sensor or, or temperature okay. um, is what yep. you, what you want to get. I've seen them as low as like twenty bucks, fifteen twenty bucks. Okay, yep. All right, but that'd be a handy thing to have. Yep. And the range you're looking for, you know, the proper humidity and the all things being equal, an average house and an average. Uh, temperature should be between 40 and 50 percent. It gets below freezing. That humidity is going to go down. Uh, could be as low as 30 percent. Um, Correct. Those are my top. Those are five five little nuggets I personally got out of this I, podcast. I think I, I think know, you're missing something, Tom. Others. And I'm going to quiz you. Yeah. So what is sure. that little round thermostat called with oh, the mercury yeah, in good. it? <laughs> I thought that I remember one. Honey, I'll remember Honeywell, but I definitely won't remember. I'm going to go with the G36-4. Uh, no, I think T87. Think of Tom ah, T87. and 87. T87. Well, it, it's easy for me yeah. to remember because 87 is the year I graduated from high school. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop that in a, in a tavern when I'm talking to a HVAC contractor. Right. Are you familiar <laughs> with the uh, Honeywell T87? Yeah, that's, that's a T87. Just turn it to the right. <laughs> that's good. You're right. That was that's That's nugget number six, so I appreciate it. All right, so we're getting towards the end of our podcast. Anything else that um, you think uh, our listeners should know? Any uh, tips or tricks you got for them? Any last-minute zingers? Um, I guess the other thing is indoor air quality. Um, I think a lot of people dismiss it, but um, there are so many things that float through your air that can really cause you to have uh, be sick and, and um, cause headaches. And as you know, health is something that, that we can never get back. Uh, you can always make more money can never get healthy again i think it's one of the most single things that are are sometimes overlooked um most filters even the really good filters will filter um they're 98 percent efficient so what they're saying that will fill filter out 98 percent of any airborne particles measure below one micron so over one micron they'll they'll filter out anything 98 percent of that air so um I'm also asked how big is a micron. A micron is, if you picture a human hair, a human hair is about 50 to 70 microns. So if you take a thin hair of 50 microns, cut that up into five pieces, and then take every one of those pieces and cut that up into 10 pieces, that's one micron. So most particles, um, like I said, 98% of airborne particles are below one micron. They go right through the uh, common filters. So that's why electronic air cleaners come in come in very handy for that um and then there's uh a lot of uh 
germs and infectious agents that you can kill with a UV light. And then there's also smells that you can kill, can fill with a, um, a different type of light. It's called oxidizer light. And uh, when you're running those, it kind of smells fresh in your house. Like uh, oxidation is what happens, and which is actually ozone, and what happens after a lightning storm where it smells nice and fresh. That's what oxidation is. That, that uh, electronic charge takes that out of the air. So... It's funny that um, you brought up indoor indoor air quality after I just summarized the things that um, I had taken away from the podcast. And I had told you, I think a lot of people are going to intentionally just either not want to believe you or not think about the fact that there is hair and human remains blowing around your house. So I probably did the exact same thing and subliminally thought, I, I don't want to talk about hair and uh, skin. Right. You know, floating um, around and breathing Floating it. around our house. Good stuff, Mark. You've given us a lot of great tips and tricks. If somebody wants to find professional services, uh, why don't you throw them your phone number and your website so they know where to find you guys. 262-268-9767. And our website is professionalservicestoday.com. We go all the way up. We do Sheboygan, Washington, Ozaki County, of course. We pretty much go down to the Milwaukee County line except for that corridor. I'm going to call it the East Shore uh, we'll do, we'll go River Hills, Fox Point, pretty much down to downtown Milwaukee alongside the shoreline. Um, we like to stay within 30 minutes, uh, of our home base because, um, we don't want to leave anybody without heat in the middle of the night. We want to be able to be able to service them as, as soon as possible. And we do offer 24 seven service. So to all our customers in our area. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That was Mark Dahl with Professional Services. Uh, we're going to sign off. Uh, remember to always use a local lender in your real estate transaction. Take care. Thanks for listening to Home Selling Hero. For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and connect with Tom across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a question about selling your home or buying your next one, reach out to Tom at tom at tomdidier.com or call or text him directly at 414-881-3290. Home Selling Hero is a production of Tom Didier Real Estate in partnership with Westport Studios. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any information presented during the course of discussion is presented as reliable under the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Be sure to consult a local agent in order for any nuances where you may live.